Blog Talk Radio. It's been a long road getting from there to here. It's been a long time, but my time is finally here. I can feel a change in the way right now. Nothing's in my way. Everybody, this is Dr. Jess Online coming to you from the Center for Bioindividualized Medicine here in southeastern Pennsylvania. Good evening. I am so happy tonight. I can't tell you. Okay, we have an incredible guest, a real story of hope. You know, I always talk about our theme song, which is, of course, the uh, theme from Starship Enterprise, uh, but it talks about uh, faith of the heart, people who really uh, try uh, in the face of adversity. And I think we have a person tonight whose story will inspire you and inform you. And I am just tickled pink to have her here. <clears throat> uh, her name is Katie, and uh, she has been a vaccine-injured individual, and she's also had several other challenges. And she's going to tell you about them tonight and tell you about her about her journey, her course. And I got to tell you, being having watched this from the sidelines a little bit for a while, um, I'm going to tell you a little secret that Katie doesn't even know. Katie's one of my heroes. Okay, this is this is an individual who, at the tender age of 15, has gone through more than most of us have in our entire lives. Katie, say hi to everybody. Hi. Ah, uh, you're right there, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I know Katie's mom, Kim, is here also. I didn't say much before, but oh, there she is. Okay, I don't know. If, I don't know if Dad is there. Dad is Chad. Um, no, he's not I'm here. Sure, oh, oh well. Okay, so we can say nasty things about him, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Katie. Um, I really like you to tell your story, uh, kind of from the beginning. Give everybody okay. a sense of who who you were prior to being injured. What happened? Kind of give them a timeline. I'm sure a lot of people out there are going to be uh, understanding, understand, you know, they've been experiencing this. By the way, if you're in the chat room and you have a question, please type in your question, and I'll ask Katie from here. Uh, when it comes time for question and answers, I'll announce the um, telephone number that you can call in, and then I'll be running, as usual, uh, the studio. So, Katie, please, tell us your story. Yes. Um, before I was... Before getting injured, I um, went to school full-time. I got good grades, loved school. Um, I was a dancer since I was three years old. Um, I danced three nights a week. Um, I was a competition cheerleader. 
um, and I, you know, was busy, had lots of friends, um, and then when I was 11 years old, I got um, the first Gardasil vaccine, and um, that was on September 2nd of 2010, and by September 7th, my first day of middle school of 2010, um, I was already fatigued and had headaches, um, but being, you know, having a new schedule for middle school, um, we thought that it was just, I wasn't adjusted, adjusting to the schedule, um, but things just got out of hand, and I got all these symptoms and went to specialist after specialist, um, nobody could figure out what was wrong, um, and things just kept on getting worse. And then in about October of 2010, I um, we started um, looking into Lyme disease and tick-borne diseases. Um, and then I think, when was it, Mom, when we got the diagnosis? I don't know. Um, we got uh, diagnosed with Bartonella, uh, Mycoplasma, and Lyme in... Uh May of 2011, I think it was. Yeah, and then... As, as I remember your story, you've gone through... Um, you went to a lot of different practitioners uh, right. prior to... Um, prior to, you know, getting these diagnoses. And uh, can you give people a sense of... Um, I apologize for interrupting. But mm. because a lot of people have gone through what you've gone through and see a lot of different practitioners without an identif uh, identification of what the root cause of the problem is. Um, you know, I, I, if you could give people kind of an idea of how many different practitioners or who you went to, what they said. And by the way, I believe Sean is on the line. Sean, you there? I'm here, Jeff. Can you hear me? I can hear you. And everybody, this is the great and powerful Sean Bean. Don't anybody look behind the curtain because he's right here. tonight. <laughs> Go ahead, go ahead, Katie, please. Um, yeah, we I went to there was many pediatrician visits and phone calls. Um I went to the dentist. Um we went to three different three different Lyme doctors, um acupuncture, two different acupuncturists, um two neurologists, two ENTs, a GI doctor, a therapist, a physical therapist, um chop diagnostics. Um multiple visits to the ER, a cardiologist. Um, there are many doctors. And what was the result of seeing all these various doctors? Did they uh, uh, come up with exactly what was wrong with you? Did they recognize the fact that uh, you were injured by the vaccine or had any other, any other conditions, or what did they attribute your, from what I'm understanding, a progressively deteriorating condition? What did they right. attribute it to? Um, no, none of them. Um, they each had their own um, diagnosis, uh, and they wouldn't even listen to our questions about the vaccine. Um, and then when their diagnosis didn't work, the medication that they prescribed um, didn't work, then they automatically said that um, it was psychosomatic and I needed to see a psychiatrist. That's always a, a comfort Okay, right. this, I, I've, I've I've never understood the the medical mind that says 
you know, I can't figure out what's wrong with you, therefore you must be crazy when it's mm-hmm. sitting there right in front of you. you know, right. This healthy young woman who should be, you know, uh, out running around, has no reason to be, there's no family history, and you just, well, I can't figure out what's wrong with you, therefore it's you. I'll never yeah. understand that. I will never understand that. But, hey, it's, a, it's the uh, the way we live and where we live. But go right. ahead, please. He developed all these uh, these uh, progressively worsening symptoms, um, and you say that your symptoms exploded. Um, what exactly were you feeling at the time when you seen when you saw these doctors and they couldn't figure out what was going on? What were you feeling? Um, a a list of my symptoms when I was seeing all those doctors was. 24/7 headaches and migraines. I have I've had a headache ever since um I the day after the shot um that I started getting headaches and 24/7 stabbing ear pain, um fatigue, abdominal pain, nausea, all over joint pain, constant sore throat, visual disturbances, light sensitivity, cognitive issues such as memory and severe comprehension problems, um random numbness and tingling, and a weird bug-crawling skin sensation, weakness, um, fainting, dizziness, heart palpitations. And this happened progressively, these symptoms, right? Right. Yeah, it it felt like when I was really sick, it felt like every day I'd wake up and there'd be a new symptom to add to the list. And was there a time when you just couldn't get out of bed, you couldn't go to school, you couldn't participate. It sounds like things uh, progressively deteriorated where you couldn't live your life. Am I reading you correctly? Right, yes. Um, By April of 2011, I could no longer go to school. I couldn't participate in dance and cheerleading anymore. And I was really just in bed all day and wouldn't leave the house. And when I would leave the house, it was only for doctor's appointments, and then I'd be exhausted and couldn't leave bed for the next few days. Mm-hmm. And, of course, <laughs> uh, they're they're telling you that it's all in your head, which right. uh, to a certain degree it's in your neurological system, but we won't make that <laughs> differentiation because actually the medical physicians who um, have labeled you as a psych case um, – I, you know, this for a young woman, for anybody, for that matter, is a horrible thing to have to live with. Uh, when did you start getting diagnosed with, what type of doctor did you see that diagnosed you with things that actually started, you actually caused this and you started treatment for it? Um, well, we went to go see um, a Lyme doctor, and I think in um, in June, I think, of 2011, and he... Um, he clinically diagnosed me with Lyme disease, and then I had um, we had positive tests for Bartonella and um, Mycoplasma. Um, and from then, we went to another Lyme doctor who um, started treating me for the infections, and um, he treated with heavy antibiotics. Um, and for a certain amount of time, I did get better, but it was it got to a point where I hit a wall, and then I would just fall back and. Symptoms would come back worse than they were before I went to the doctor. Um, And then we went to another Lyme doctor. We started seeing another one who um, did a more holistic and natural approach to everything. And the same thing when we started seeing her 
Um, I would initially get better from when I saw her, and then I'd fall back hard, and the pain would come back worse than it was before. So now, by this time, you're in pain, and you also got diagnosed with some other problems, like dystonomias, yes? Right, yeah. CHOP Diagnostic um, Center diagnosed me with dysautonomia. And could you describe for everybody what a dysautonomia is and which one you had that child um, diagnosis? Right. It's a malfunctioning automatic nervous system. So what would happen to me is I would I couldn't wake up early in the morning. So when I'd wake up or I'd stand up too soon, I'd pass out or be rushing to the toilet throwing up. Um so that made it hard to try and, you know, work my schedule back to try and, you know, get better with the Lyme treatment um, because you can't stay in bed all day and sleep till 12 and try to get better. <clears throat> Were other parts of your body affected, like thyroid or anything else like that? Yes. Um, I, From the vaccine, I have developed an autoimmune thyroid disease, uh, Hashimoto's. And the integrative holistic approach taken by one of the Lyme doctors, how did that differentiate, uh, good or bad? Um, this is always good and bad and everything. Right. <clears throat> so the, uh, what was good about it? What was different about it? Uh, why would why would someone want to take a more holistic approach than just a, a straight let's kill the bugs approach? Um, I think it it did make everything better. Um, I'm still on the holistic and the natural approach with everything, and I am getting better. Um, But I don't think, for me, the heavy-duty drugs and everything was the right choice because, you know, we tried that with the whole headaches and everything, and then we went with the Lyme and everything, um, and it, it didn't work at all. And most of the time it would actually make me feel worse. Right. She has a problem with detoxing, Um, so she was getting a lot of things filled up in her body, and she wasn't able to get the toxins out of her body. There was a time uh, when you um, felt like you were going to give up. Right. And because nothing was making you better. Mm -hmm. What did that that feel like? Um, It felt like... I, you know, we went to doctor after doctor, and even after we got the Lyme diagnosis and we were, you know, we stopped questioning Gardasil, it felt like I would, you know, we kept on going to these doctors and they kept on having these huge, you know, hopes for me and have this whole thing figured out of how, you know, in, you know, this amount of time I was going to be better and back in school, and it never seemed to work out. There was always complications, and, you know, they'd find something that, you know, set me back. Um, and I just, you know, felt like I, you know, there was no cure. I wasn't going to get better. I was just going to have to deal with this. But Mom and Dad wouldn't take no for an answer and started revisiting other things. And, no, they um, didn't. <laughs> And you know something, you know, that's the that's the job of a parent. I mean, if we don't, if our parents aren't our advocates, then what do we have, okay? Right. Um, so mom 
as I remember, your parents um, circled back to Gardasil. Yeah. Uh, treating Lyme, so that's one thing. That's a tick bite. So what does that right. have to do with the vaccines? Well, um, Mom, you can tell them. Um, I would just always be on the Internet searching uh, things, and I I searched uh, one day uh, Bartonella and Gardasil, and up comes an article about um, there being a link between uh, the vaccine initiating uh, pathogens, dormant pathogens like Bartonella, Epstein-Barr, um, you know, certain uh, illnesses, they're finding connection to it. And the light came back on because that was, you know, immediately our first question because Katie uh, had symptoms within, you know, just a couple days of that vaccine. And, you know, everything got worse from there. So I started doing some research and I realized that there's a lot of other, um, you know, kids out there that are injured by this vaccine and all of their stories sound very much like my own daughter's story. So uh, what we did is we took the information that we had and we took our vaccine records back to our um, Lyme literate doctor and also our uh, new primary care physician and they looked at it and they both agreed that the vaccine was the trigger that started the illness. So that sort of changed things for us. We started looking at um, her illness in a different way. That's amazing because uh, even though that evidence is considered anecdotal, okay, it's uh, it's something I hear an awful lot, especially in the autistic community. If you go to one of the uh, autistic uh, parents' meetings and you ask, "Gee, well, within a week of a vaccine, you know, how many of you your children were not your children anymore?" You see, ninety percent of the hands go up. And yet the scientists say that doesn't exist. Um, I'll never understand that, but that's besides the point. Um, You now were diagnosed with numerous things. In other words, the something activated stuff. And, you know, God forbid if I say it's a vaccine, I'll have the guys with the uh, pitchforks and, and, um, (laughs) you know, (laughs) the torches and so forth outside. But um, it looks like that you had multiple infections, viruses, heavy metal toxicity, POTS, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, uh, Hashimoto's, gut issues, seizure disorders. You developed multiple food sensitivities and mold sensitivities, much less adrenal fatigue, chronic pain, and multiple autoimmune diseases. Mm-hmm. Is this all correct? Except for the seizure disorders. Uh, Katie never developed that, but a lot of the yeah. do have seizure disorders. And you notice that this constellation of symptoms, this constellation of things, tends to happen with the vaccine-injured population. Is, am I listening to it? Did I hear you correctly? Yes. So <clears throat> there was a time when, in conjunction with certain healthcare practitioners, uh, you started turning things around, okay, because obviously you started getting better, and it certainly wasn't fast, okay, because you had a lot to deal with. Tell right. Us about your, tell us about your healing. Tell us what you started, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't a straight line, so let's no. be honest and talk about the ups and downs. Yeah, when um when we figured out the Gardasil injury, um, we started focusing on repairing my immune system, um, so we started on low-dose naltroxin um, and drinking Fiji water to detox the aluminum that's in the vaccine. Um, and then we um, went to 
um, the Sean, Sean Bean, the nutritionist, and he um, he made great improvements, helping with the adrenal fatigue and um, a lot, lots of stuff. And then we, uh, I think, in August. Last August, uh, I had a bit of a bump. Um, we had a bit of a mix-up with um, supplements, and I went hypothyroid for a couple weeks, uh, and that took a while to get back from that. Um, and we started nutritional IVs about twice a week to help with not only that but my overall health, and that did a world of a difference for me. Tell us about the IVs, and, and everybody should know that uh, Katie is getting the IVs in our office, Sean, Sean and my's office, and um, under the direction of Dr. Kashuba, okay, who's, uh, um, at, who ordered the IVs, um, or was it your uh, pediatrician? Who ordered the IVs again? I think it was our fam- my family doctor. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. I, I knew yep. you, you, you were the exception to the rule. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, it was under medical supervision, and um, we did um, uh, various types of nutritional IVs to include high-dose vitamin C and multi, uh, multi-mineral, lots of magnesium, B-complex. Um, and, uh, Sean, uh, I, know you're, I know you're sitting there chomping at the bit. Uh, before, <laughs> I have, before I let... Uh, uh, Katie, uh, explain how long the IVs took. Uh, could you uh, give us an idea of whatever the whatever it is? Turn it down. <laughs> whatever it is, turn it down. <laughs> I I think at this right, point it might be a good idea if you've got a if you've got a couple minutes. Can you explain to everybody how you thought about? This condition okay. and how you came. Uh, somebody's got somebody's got this on speakers. Okay, there we go. <laughs> how did you think about this condition? And uh, obviously, when she came under your care, uh, she was getting better, but it started. You know, get, uh, her healing went to light speed uh, when you started treating her. So, uh, could you give everybody an idea of uh, what you did, why you did it? Um, because I think it's important. Yes. Yes, uh, Jesse. Absolutely correct. Um, when Katie came to me, she was a mess, literally. Um, she was sleeping till 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. She wasn't able to go to school. Um, she was very tired, very lethargic. Um, she had uh, severe depression, uh, almost to the point of, you know, going into dark, deep places. Um, so she was not in good shape. Um, so as always, I always start with the root or what we call the foundational work. The foundational work always begins with the adrenals and neurotransmitters. And addressing the adrenal glands, you always have to take in consideration, number one, the genes, because not all recommendations work. So I, took, I actually took a gamble because of the fact that she didn't have anxiety, but she wasn't expressing the specific um, COMP gene, COMT gene. So by using the genetics, by using the adrenal, um, the Neuroscience 9028, I came up with a recommendation to reset her circadian pattern. And when um, we initiated, we started very, very slow because I wanted to see, uh, I was testing the water, so to speak, so that we didn't have any kind of adverse reactions. 
Um, I like to see people on a very frequently basis, maybe about once every three or four weeks, just to stay on top of them. So we came. She was coming in uh, periodically, and um, within the, um, I guess it was probably within about the second or third week, once we hit the right combination on the adrenal glands, because we tried a different combination. Um, finally, mom was saying, Sean, she's now getting up at 10 o'clock versus um, 1 or 2 o'clock. And then gradually, we kept pushing her um, circadian rhythm back in the normal range. Uh, one of the things I want to emphasize in dealing with these cases is if you do not sleep, you will not heal. So, and if you work on the adrenal glands, if you don't work on the sleep pattern at nighttime and the sleep hygiene, you're just wasting your time. Because what, we're, what was happening with her was is she might have been recharging her battery, but she might have been recharging some of her battery during the daytime, but she was burning through it way too fast. And because the anxiety wasn't present, and because I knew that she did have some COMT genes there, but they weren't expressing. So I, I used the results from the neuroscience to come up with the best um, recommendations um, for her case, because everybody's individualized, and that combination worked good. And we started tweaking things. And then we ran into the bump, so to speak, um, with the iodine, and we actually were able to... Um, through deep evaluation, we were actually able to um, pinpoint it because um, I'm like, something's just not right here. And because, she, because there was thyroid medication involved, um, which the doctor was acting under good accordance because there was a T4, T3 conversion issue going on. So um, they were given a little bit of T3 to try to, uh, try to help the bump. But obviously, that wasn't um, the right. That wasn't effective in this situation. So I had to reroute the situation. We found out, as I said, there was a little bump, and we identified that the um, whoever it was, whether it was the person who ordered it by accident, or the um, company screwed up and gave her the wrong one. They gave her too much uh, iodine. And being Hajimoto's, you do not want to use a lot of iodine without selenium presence. And if I remember right, Kate, were you, weren't you eating a little too many Brazil nuts at a time? Because I think I caught your high selenium levels, too. Um, um, I don't know. I know at a time I was eating Brazil nuts, um, a couple yeah, of Brazil nuts I, I don't a day. Know whether, I, I, can't remember who, I can't remember who it was, but I caught a person eating a lot of Brazil nuts, and their selenium levels were going really, really high. So, you know, if you're trying to get selenium into your diet, Brazil nuts are one of the best sources. But don't eat no more than two or three of them because they do contain high levels of selenium, and you can actually end up with selenium poisoning. Um, and I believe that natural food in certain situations is better for um, supplementation because it's more readily available. And once she got the iodine in there, that threw everything into a tandem. But it took, even though you were on it for a few weeks, it took almost quadruple the time to get you back to the normal baseline. And mm-hmm. I think the combination of the I, I think the combination of the eyes and making the adjustments in the medication, which was done under um, doctor supervision. <clears throat> so um, I think that was the tr- the turnkey was basically going back to the basics and just looking at the simple things. Because as I mentioned, you know, when you're dealing with these complex cases and you got all these infections and everything. And the interesting part was is that you were coming off the you were either coming off the antibiotics or you weren't on antibiotics at the time, 
And through doing the basics, Katie, you're able to get your body to, you know, if you had Lyme, fantastic, you know, but you know what? Sometimes you have to address the person that addresses the disorder, okay, such as Lyme disease. And we saw that by strengthening your adrenal glands and getting you sleeping and, you know, shutting down the chiritic pathway for inflammation, correcting your nutritional deficiencies, because I remember your spectra cell test was completely flatlined low on everything. So... Mm -hmm. Um, that was very common in people who have long-term antibiotic use. So we had to do that. We had to restructure the cell membrane. Uh, we balanced out our fatty acids. We got our nutrition in play. We used the spectra cell test to give a good, to ha- help create a nice foundation for, you know, what was best to be suited for her individual needs in the IV because we don't use standard protocols. Uh, when using IVs, we use clinical testing to base our results upon to get the best individualized approach. Um, and it's Because protocol in our office is a four-letter word. That is correct, yes. And for everybody who's wondering, what did I do? What did I do about the adrenal glands? Again, everybody's different. Maybe I might give one, maybe I give, might give rhodiol in some instances. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll use ashwagandha. Maybe I'll use B5. It all depends upon the person's chemistry as well as their genetics and what genes are expressing. Because I had a lot of people who've gone to different clinicians who have, when I look at their formulas at nighttime, it's got rhodiola in it. And when they're expressing on COMT, rhodiola is the last thing you want to do because it increases epinephrine, norepinephrine, which you can't break down in the first place. And when you're dealing with thyroid problems, the same thing happens. As um, thyroid drops, adrenaline will pick up. And if you're COMT, you're in a bad situation. And then if you are having issues with your diet and your COMT, you don't want to be pushing dopamine epinephrine up. So going on a high-protein, low-carb diet and a high-fat diet is, like, ludicrous because you're just going to be driving the excitatories even further. So you've got to use um, proper judgment and knowing what diets to do. So it is a whole plethora of things that had to be looked at, that had to be evaluated in order to come up with the best approach. And... She just kept improving, improving, improving. Um, her neurological symptoms, her depression got better. Uh, I got her up to probably about 70, probably about 65 or 70% of her total healing. And then I think the IVs are what really accelerate the program and backfilled everything that I was trying to do um, nutritionally by oral, and it just wasn't working. And one of the analogies we use is, is you know, trying to – Trying to, re- trying to increase intracellular levels is like trying to pee in the ocean and fill it up, okay, or, with orals. Because you're not going to hit tissue saturation by doing orals. It's just not going to work. And even if you do have it, there's, you know, you always want to jumpstart the mix by using the IVs, but it's got to be done carefully. Um, we had to titrate up certain things with her because of her reactions. But over time, we, had, we knew and we went slow and therefore it minimized the reactions, and we were right there with her the whole time, um, monitoring. Jess was right there by her side the whole time, uh, playing with the bear. So, <laughs> of course. Uh, and starting the IV, because, let's and, face it. And I'm, starting I'm, the IV. I'm acting, I'm, and I'm an, I have a degree as an RN, and that's how I'm acting in this case. Uh, <laughs> let me, uh, let me uh, Sean, let's let, uh, you can go back to what you're doing, because I'm going to sum up at the end, but... Uh, Katie, you have a, a nice little list here of how long it took for things to go away, and I think people should understand yeah. 
with the IVs, tell them. Tell them, you know, when the fevers went away, when the joint pain went away, stuff like that. Right. Well, my biggest symptoms were is the the uh, head pain and the ear pain um, and the nausea. Um, at this time when we started the IVs, I was having a lot of pain and a lot of nausea. Um, I wasn't, I couldn't eat because I'd be nauseous. So um, about two weeks on IVs, um, my fevers went away, and I had daily fevers from the whole um, thyroid, going hypothyroid. Um, and that was about four IVs. Um, and three weeks of having IVs, um, my stamina started coming back, and I didn't have any more heart palpitations. Um, also, about three weeks in, um, there wasn't any more thyroid pain, which was um, I was having a, um, a lot of problems with um, from going hypothyroid. Uh, at four weeks, there wasn't any more joint pain, and my POT symptoms went away. Um, I could wake up at a decent time, and I wasn't running to the toilet or passing out. Uh, the sleep improved. I could, I was able to sleep, and when I woke up, I was well. Re- I felt well rested. Um, the brain fog lifted, and I could start reading again, which I hadn't been able to all summer. And I could start focusing on my schoolwork again. And then around eight weeks of IV on on IVs, um, my pain got better, and my head and ear pain levels got cut in half, which just made everything better. Um, and about eight to ten weeks, I really started responding to Lyme treatments better. Um, my Lyme doctor could get more aggressive with treatments, and I was responding to them. And about 12 weeks of uh, IVs, the nausea and the abdominal pain subsided, um, and I could finally eat without immediately getting nauseous, and I had in my appetite back. Um, and that was about 24 IVs with the 12 weeks. So clearly it takes some time, but as Sean right. pointed out, it was mixed specifically for you, and there was a lot of changes and updating and um, a lot of uh, very specific uh, additions and subtractions based on your reactions and your needs. Uh, mm-hmm. The uh, the major point is that... Um, your treatment with Sean was very, very individualized, very specific, and many, many, many things were taken into consideration, and um, there are no protocols. There's no one protocol that works for somebody, and unfortunately, in medicine today, people tend to work in protocols, whereas Sean works individually. Um, Sean, please continue. Um. And between the you know between the combination of IVs and just going back down to foundational work, and as Katie noted, once you reset the circadian pattern, your body starts healing itself. Um, I think we you already did a great thing in removing your cell phone electromagnetic fields um, from your sleep. Uh, your mom right. was very incredibly right. proactive about that. Um, your diet and stuff. Uh, one of the things that we really had trouble in the beginning was trying to get food into your system. But as your adrenals started to heal and as you started sleeping better, um, you were able to tolerate better foods. Your immune system started to kick in. Your Lyme was able to be um, handled much better. Um, so as you can see, mastering the foundational work is what's been missing in traditional medicine for a long, long time. 
And through bioindividualized medicine, um, Jess and I have um, pretty much uh, are constantly refining our, our skills at this, but we're, but we're getting better each time and we're getting faster results. Uh, and the beautiful thing about this is, is it's all clinical. There is no hokey pokey stuff. If there's any rhyme or reason, I have science, I, uh, it's evidence-based and research-based approach. So I have a lot of doctors questioning what I do sometimes, and once they understand the, um, once they understand the science behind it and once they start shooting them um, PubMed links, then they'll start to realize that uh, I mean business, and all in the good part. But we're also here to help educate the doctors as well um, because we all want to work together simultaneously to get the best um, for their patients um, or our clients. So it is, a, um, it is a group effort as a team effort, and it takes just as much part on the uh, physicians and the clinicians' parts as well does on the compliance. And Katie was 100% compliant to everything we did. And one of the things I cannot emphasize about that is, is if a person does not have a proper compliancy or the desire to get better, then they won't get better, okay? Um, and the beautiful thing about Katie was is, Katie, you weren't on a lot of supplements, were you? I wasn't, no. I wasn't, no. No, that was the beautiful thing. Because typical cases like you come to me with on seven eight hundred dollars worth of supplements a month, and what mm-hmm. my goal is is my goal is to keep it probably around one fifty max a month. Uh, yes, it may be two or three hundred dollars at a pop, maybe once or you know two or three hundred dollars off the start. But that two or three hundred dollars, when you dollar cart average it together, comes out to be roughly about one hundred and thirty five to one hundred and fifty to one hundred and eighty dollars max a month, and it's not life. It's, and it is not for long term. Usually, Jess and I will flip people around um, within about three months, and then we'll start tapering you off. Because what we'll do is, is we will use the, um, we'll use a typical nutritional band-aid approach, but we'll come back around with supporting cofactors to actually make your have your body make it on its own. Then we'll start tapering you off, um, and which we have done, because um, you're on less and less supplements, and it's only what you need based upon clinical evidence. So that is the beauty about bioindividualized medicine, and that's why Jess and I are here uh, with Katie today to help you realize it's just not a one-shot deal. It's a multi-approach. It's a multi. Um, it's a multifaceted approach that takes a lot of time, a lot of research, and a lot of connecting the dots and untangling that Charlotte's web. But um, Kate is the prime example. Kate, can you explain to the audience? Um, how you went, I guess it was from June to, I think, about, I think it was June until about November. Could you explain to them from the time that you were out of school back to your in school and how long you've been homeschooled and how you progressed over that, I'd say about five to six month period yeah. um, in terms yeah. of the amount of time that you were able to go to school? One moment. I'm just going to let everybody know if they want to call in and ask Katie or Sean a question. They should call 646-595-2277. That's 646-595-2277. Please go ahead, Katie. Yeah, um, I guess it was of of this year maybe um, that I got – I haven't been in school since April of 2011, um, and that was of sixth grade. At the end of sixth grade, I couldn't go to school anymore. And in seventh grade, I home I was homeschooled, um, and I repeated. I went to eighth grade, homebound student, um, 
and I repeated eighth grade because I was too sick and and didn't want to um, start high school not being able to attend. Um, and the second year of eighth grade, I couldn't go. I was home. I was homebound again. Um, and this year, my freshman year of high school, I went through most of the year um, not being able to attend. But um, at I guess after Christmas break. I um, got, I was doing amazing, probably the best that I have in four years. Um, And I started going back for a couple hours, um, a few times, uh, a couple hours a day for a couple days a week. And I did that for a few weeks, um, but we kind of hit another bump like you do. Um, So I haven't been able to attend now, but... I'm working my way back up to getting back to where I was and hopefully get back into school where I want to be. Can you feel free to uh, let us know what that bump was? We had a bit of a mold um, incident because I am, uh, I have a bio, a substance, susceptibility of biotoxin illness. So um, I have mold sensitivities, which is, you know, kind of like a mold allergy. And we have, um, I went to school um, when I, after the break, um, and the pain had, my pain went down so much that I could, you know, I wasn't even thinking about the pain anymore. I was, you know, going on with life. And I went into school, um, and I had a weird headache. So I came home, and prior to over the Christmas break, I got a record player for for Christmas. And um, on Christmas, we went to my grandmother's, and my grandfather had old records in the basement. So I uh, went down and checked it out, and the records were moldy, and I got the same headache that I did when I went to school. So we have a bit of a a mold incident that I'm kind of recovering from from uh, the school, but uh, so I can't go back because there's there might be a mold um, problem in the school, in but, the school but hopefully we'll get, hopefully that, figured we'll get out. that figured out. But you are recovering. But you are recovering. Yes. Okay, which I'm really happy to hear. Because um, all the foundational work that Sean speaks of, okay, was give you the ability to bounce back from this and it not actually put you down and destroy you. Mm -hmm. Um, Sean, do you have anything else that you'd like to add? Yeah, because he's doing the mold issue and stuff right now, I've got some things that once you come back in the office that we're going to try to uh, facilitate that with um, that should work. Uh, rather well that are completely natural. Um, some Definitely some things we picked up from uh, uh, a little bit of research um, that should help things along. Um, but mold, mold is a huge factor. I just had um, a couple clients last week um, travel down to see me down in Florida where I was supposed to do a conference, which um, for some reason got called off, but that's a whole other story. But um, they were able to um, – mold is one of the most overlooked factors uh, I'm finding in a lot of people. Um, and 
and it's relatively very easy to identify. The best way you can look at it, the best way is, is always look at the environment uh, and always look at certain, um, there's certain indicators that I use um, on testing. I know there's a test out there that costs seven or $800, um, which is a urine test that looks for it, and that's fine. But if you look and start addressing the person as Jeff and I do from ground zero, then you start to realize that even if you do all the mold recovery and do this, do that, if you if you have a house with a crappy foundation, it's going to eventually crumble. And that's what we're that's what Jess and I are currently seeing as one of the major plagues of why people aren't turning the corner or have been doctor to doctor to doctor just because that the foundational work um, and the, those connections to the other systems haven't been identified or that the doctors just are not aware of um, those connections between the neuro, endo, and the immune system um, are a huge factor. Um, <clears throat> I know there's a lot of doctors out there that really focus on cell membrane, which is excellent, but you know it's not the end-all, be-all, but it does help. So we have to take a, um, a more uh, broad approach and think way outside the box on a lot of these cases. So um, dealing with mold is very challenging, and it's always uh, the type of cases to where, as Katie said, you're doing good, and all of a sudden you get smacked back, and you think it's either the line coming out again or this, or, oh, my God, it could be this, this, and this, and people start you know, turning into Dr. Google and they start to try to self-diagnose themselves, and they may be leading down, you know, they may be ending up going down a big rabbit hole. Um, and that's why you have to work with the good practitioners out there to, you know, save time. Uh, and the biggest question here is, is, oh, um, you're, you know, we can't afford you. I said, I understand that you've been through all doctors and everything, okay? But if you look at the amount of money you're spending on supplementation, if you look at the amount of money that's spent upon supplementation, that's probably counterproductive in many situations. Um, like I just had a person that I just yanked um, a lot of supplementations off those, but that was totally counterproductive, and the doctors just didn't know about it. And I showed her the research and the literature behind it, and she nearly went through the roof. You know, that was, a, that was $200 a month saved for her, okay? So $200 a month, Okay, and times that by three or four times, you know, that's six or seven hundred dollars easily. So just be cautious of um, how much money you're spending on supplementation because um, too many people are pushing protocols and charging um, extra astronomical amounts of money to say they're a methylation expert or this expert or that expert. Uh, and when they focus this on one topic, these are the people that aren't going to get better. Yes. Hold on. I had it off. <laughs> I agree. Listen, I agree. Listen since Arnie. we're on the subject, we might, well, might as well let's tell everybody, you know, the difference in what we offer and what's being offered out there and what they should be careful of. Okay. Uh, you know and I know that uh, we've spent a significant amount of our professional energies uh in developing bioindividualized medicine for the sole purpose of being able to identify the root causes and downstream effects and finding and utilizing the uh, epigenetics or the, gen or the genes as pointers and as uh, advisors, if you will. Okay, and everything we've done with all of our <clears throat> research groups and so forth, 
uh, has been to that uh, to that end. And Katie is a prime example of what can be accomplished. Here's somebody who, you know, uh, was taking antibiotics and only got better to a certain point because uh, the traditional thinking is let's kill the bugs and the body will take care of itself. Uh, you appropriately talk about foundational work and how many times do you hear somebody who's been treating a leaky gut syndrome and which is one of the most important parts of the foundation and you ask them how, how they're treating their gut. Well, I'm on the GAPS diet. Uh, no, no, how are you treating your gut? I'm on a GAPS diet because their clinicians don't know how to treat a leaky gut. <clears throat> there are a lot of people out there who purport to be uh, trained alternative medicine practitioners, trained methylation experts, and really only have very superficial superficial knowledge of what's going on. A lot of them have taken our course and have taken that and started their own um, thing. Uh, how would you know, and this is, I think, a, a salient point, Sean, how does somebody know if they're with a true expert? With a true expert. Well, first of all, if you're going to spend more than um, a certain amount of time with them, you know, a good expert usually spends um, a good hour, hour and 15 minutes with you. Um, on our new, um, what we're trying to do is we're trying to target the first two sessions as the um, really the um, start off. Because basically everybody that comes to us is basically we're looking we're looking at their uh, complete history and everything and we're basically like I told the lady today we're starting you from scratch, okay? We're starting on a clean slate. We'll take in consideration what the doctors say, see what kind of wonderful work they have done, but you've got to understand if they're if they're specifically focused on methylation and and you ask them said what about my neurotransmitters? Why aren't you addressing your neurotransmitters? Oh, no, no, they'll, they'll get addressed with methylation. No, that's not true, okay? Or if you ask somebody, uh, do you treat MTHR? Yeah, I treat MTHR. And you ask them, what about the other genes? And they, and they start to do a dance. Uh, well, met, you know, methylation, when you treat methylfolate, you know, it works with methylation. You methyl B12 and this, that. And they start giving you protocols. Um, or they hand you a laundry list of Shia supplements, okay? My theory is this. I want to be able to justify every supplement that I recommend and be able to have some type of clinical evidence or logic in order to uh, validate why I'm recommending that supplement. When you can come to a doctor and say, why did you recommend this? What does it have to do with, where does it affect in my pathways? Then you know you've got a true expert, okay? When doctors just give you supplements, methyl B12 and methylfolate, and you ask, start asking some questions, they may find that a little offensive, and they may start doing a dance. So as a, as a patient myself who've gone through my own health journeys, your right is to question and ask questions. Because remember, in Latin, physician means teacher, okay? Actually, it should also mean student, too, because good doctors are always constantly learning. They're always constantly um, refreshing themselves they're going to seminars and learning okay the problem is is that when they go to seminars and stuff by the time they leave there's that not, there's not that money morning wealth factor so in that situation what we have to do is is we have to help them reinforce that and that's why we have developed the physician support 
okay? It's designed for practitioners out there who have gone to seminars and they're just getting hung up on these tight cases. And um, this way, you can really bring the true experts in, okay? We, ha- we don't have a certification program right now, but we are training people underneath our, our, who's mentoring us who we feel are very adequate experts in multiple fields. And a person could be an expert in mold, but they don't know anything about adrenals or they aren't looking at the neurotransmitters. You want to look at a person that looks at the entire person and just not the disease, okay? LMDs are great doctors, okay? But there's very few out there that tend to look at the adrenals, the the thyroid, the neurotransmitters, because honestly, working with specific LMDs, they have just a hard enough time focusing and working their magic and dealing with the Lyme itself and not even to worry about the neurotransmitters. And that's why a lot of them are referring their patients to Dr. Jesser and myself to help them and collaborate with them. And the the um, results have uh, been phenomenal. And with the integration of the IVs, it makes it's going to accelerate the process. Are you there? Are you there? I'm here, Jess. Go ahead. Okay. I, th- I thought <laughs> I lost everybody. All right. What are people also, uh, aside from what Sean's saying, which is absolutely positively correct, okay, if you go to a doctor and you're walking out with a shopping bag of vitamins, you're probably with the wrong person. Okay. If you if um, go to a doctor who practices protocols, if they pull out a sheet of paper and it's this protocol or that protocol or that protocol, you're probably with the wrong doctor, okay, because protocols don't work, okay? Protocols are for the masses, and they don't take into account uh, individual variances. If, uh, if someone takes your genetic profile and pulls out, you know, their particular application and the application you look at it it says you have this gene and give that vitamin you have this gene you have this polymorphism you give that vitamin you're probably with the wrong doctor okay and when i say doctor i mean healthcare provider of any ilk okay you know, the people who we treat are those people who've been just like hey here there up down and sideways and still haven't got answers the reason that we're successful is because of sean's brilliance Okay, and he puts things together like nobody's business, but it's the perseverance and doggedness of and the determination to do this the right way. And guess what? It does take time. Okay, and it, it is not as expensive as some doctors. I, I got to tell you, you know, I've I've looked at the prices of some of our alternative medicine gurus, <clears throat> and I'm amazed that you would pay, that somebody would pay a couple of thousand dollars to just walk into the office and then before even seeing them pay two or three thousand dollars to get their quote-unquote lab work which frankly is just throwing you know what against the wall and seeing what sticks okay this is before they even you know have seen the patient or reviewed anything so uh, I think we're all getting the idea of if you've been served well or not okay um, in the autistic community, they used to have Dan doctors. Now they have MAPS, and they all follow a certain protocol, which, in my estimation, because I took those courses, okay, is just a guessing game. Let's try this, and let's try that. And frankly, if that if you're helping a child, if that person helps a child, they're helping them by 
not by intention, by accident. Okay, we we are looking to heal by intention. Okay, so um, I, I think that kind of wraps up in a big nut, in a big uh, nutshell exactly why we do what it is we do. Um, there is a question here that anybody can answer. What would you suggest for a girl who is 16 going through the same problem to make her symptoms less debilitating? Number one, um, you would want to get a nutritional profile on the person because there's probably severe nutritional deficiencies. Um, without having the history, we really can't go into further detail. That's um, that's a great question, but it's generalized. Um, and Jess, is, you know, Jess and Kate know we spend like an hour. We spend well over an hour, hour and a half, just going over the history, just to start to put the pieces of the puzzle together to see what wonderful work the doctors have done previously, uh, and then try to help fill in the missing gaps. Um, so in that situation, what she could do is, is she should um, she should definitely get a neurotransmitter. She should definitely get a neurotransmitter adrenal profile. Uh, which can be easily obtained through Jester, myself, or a practitioner. I do want to note that there are a lot of practitioners out there that are using the same things we do, um, and they are just giving the recommendations off of the sheets, um, which is not, um, which are good, but because of the complexity of the cases, you've got to look at things more in depth. Uh, definitely look at the cortisol pattern. You want to get her sleeping properly. You want to remove electromagnetic fields or anything like that, um, which cause disturbances in serotonin. We also do know that the Gardasil vaccination also has high heavy, heavy, heavy duty um, yeast in there. So if she has more susceptibility to yeast, so that could be a problem. So she's probably got yeast issues going on uh, that she may not know about that may be manifesting as inflammation. So the best thing to probably do is is, is to um, just start with the basics. Try to get her sleeping right, uh, work on stress reduction, get a good, clean diet. Um, it doesn't have to be zero carbs or anything like that. Just eat clean. Try to remove all the junk out of her diet. Um, remove the, we, always remove cal- we always remove gluten, soy, and dairy out of the diet. Um, there's a lot of information that I've learned um, that we don't have time to go into tonight about uh, B1. Um, and the um, factors and stuff associated with the gene expression on specific uh, thiamine uh, transporters that I found, uh, and I've been in contact with one of the best, uh, one of the special, one of the best doctors who is actually researching this right now, and he goes, yeah, um, the gene I found is a plausible theory of why uh, possible expressing, which may make Gardasil a more prominent reaction to certain people, which is exciting. Uh, we do know that people tend to have a little B and respond good to B vitamins. Um, I can probably speculate that there might be um, some other factors involved uh, biochemically, but only through proper analysis is the way to go with these cases um, because of the complexity. And I do know that a lot of people are grabbing for straws and trying to get information offline, and you have to be very cautious where that information is coming from. Um, Jess and I use research-based approaches. Um, so that they are clinical. We've used them in the past several times, so they're just not, quote, protocols as we speak. Jess? The, um, the, um, the uh, individual who asks this question, I perceive that they are the parent of someone. Can you turn that echoing off, please? That's me, not sorry. 
I perceive that this is a parent that uh, someone who's who's in a lot of uh, pain and having a lot of problems. Uh, what Sean is saying is that um, you should look for someone to work with who will take a fresh look at the entire condition and consider all aspects of it. Uh, a lot of times that means doing some foundational work. Uh, that means uh, considering everything, not just um, vaccine injury, but to look uh, broadly at the individual and then develop a treatment plan that is based on that individual's particular physiology. Uh, and that is not as easy as it sounds. Okay, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, there's many tests and we can, you know, uh, we always do a history first, uh, review what testing has been done, okay, find out where the stones have been left unturned, and then we start our work from there. And um, I like to think we're pretty good at what we do, and uh, we've had a lot of training, and we teach a lot of people, we teach a lot of doctors, okay, because right now, in the entire, literally the world, people are coming out of the woodwork, physicians are coming out of the woodwork to uh, train with us because of our approach, our success rate, and um, so I enjoin you to find a practitioner who does uh, similar work to us and uh, have them take a good, solid, uh, fresh look at the condition. Uh, if anybody wants to call, it is 646-595-2277. Uh, remember, we can make specific recommendations on a show like this. We can give you some guidance. Uh, you can always call us. And uh, we'll try and, um, uh, you know, give you a little bit of uh, time to um, see if we can help you or not. Um, but, uh, you know, we can't make actual specific recommendations. I'm not seeing anybody calling in, so what we're going to do at the moment is say, uh, Katie, do you have any uh, parting words of wisdom for anybody who is suffering or the parents or loved ones of anybody who is suffering? Either you or your mom, would you like to let them know anything? Mom? Oh. Um, I'd just like to say, uh, you know, get, don't get bogged down with a bunch of different specialists um, that you really need to look for somebody that's looking at um, everything, uh, all the different things that are going wrong in the body at once. Um, and I'd, I'd like to encourage people not to settle for a diagnosis of uh, any named syndrome. Um, that's really not a diagnosis at all. Um, you need to get uh, somebody to find the root cause of the problem and address it from there, and that's really the only way you're going to be able to recover your health. And we have someone called in. Wonderful. Nice person in the 949 area code. Are you there? Yes. Hi, Dr. Jess. Hi, Sean. We um, have been working with Sean, working with Sean. and um, yeah, um, I'd like to know a little bit more about the IVs and how you work with doctors Okay, could you repeat your question, please? Yes, um, we want to know how you can work with the doctors for the um, bio-individualized IVs for out-of-state people. That's, it, it's very dependent on uh, who you're already working with. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, what your particular condition is. Uh, I don't know if you've been uh, treating with either one of us, but um, 
that that's handled on a uh, an, an extremely individualized basis. Sometimes we'll uh, talk with other physicians and uh, get their approval for certain IVs. Um, that's handled on a case by case basis. Uh, generally speaking, what we like to do is have people come here and uh, have the IVs done in our office because we can, you know, start tuning and tweaking the IVs to their specific uh, physiology. Okay, and we have our medical doctor working with that. Uh, sometimes it's possible once we get the formulation down. Uh, if you have uh, facilities that have IVs performed, we can ship those IVs to you. Okay, but uh, the the uh, best of all worlds would be to have someone come to our office for a period of time so that we can get the formulation correct to your particular physiology. Uh, again, it's not, a, it's not a protocol, so it's very hard at a distance to, um, you know, just pick and choose what should or should not be. Okay. Okay, thank you so much. You're most welcome. Kim, you were uh, you were you were giving a very good point before uh, about not being honed down to a particular diagnosis. Yes, I mean uh, we've we could have spent years collecting diagnosis after diagnosis. I mean, Kate, uh, it, probably in a fibromyalgia diagnosis, chronic pain fatigue, um, any number of syndromes, pain syndromes. Um, you know, she had gut issues. She had a bunch of different things, but you know, a lot. I hear a lot of people that have um, children that are chronically ill, and they typically collect a lot of diagnoses that are syndromes. And um, I think the the problem with that is that you don't really know what's causing the problem. So, how is the doctor going to treat the patient? And we stopped looking for those answers. We wanted someone who understood a global. Um, nature of what was going on in Katie's body so that, you know, the problems could be addressed from from the root up. And uh, that's really what made a difference. That is the basis of bioindividualized medicine, is to treat from, is to treat the body, not the condition specifically, because let's face it, uh, most diagnoses of syndromes and syndromes are a collection of symptoms and a diagnosis should be an assessment of the root cause of a problem. So treating the root cause and the downstream effect and the using the epigenetics as guidance is the way to go about doing this. And Kim, you bring up a really good point because um, I was also a victim of the system myself. Uh, it's like being bounced around like a ping-pong ball from one doctor to the next. And, you know, you get depressed just listening to what they tell you that you have, but I'm like, okay, so what do we do about it now? And why did that happen? And one of the things I always emphasize people and people who uh, work with me, I keep asking why, 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 until you can't say why, no, until, you, until you're exhaustive telling asking why, because otherwise you're not going to get down to the cause of the problem. And like myself, who would ended up spending $150,000 or more on medical bills, uh, when I knew, if I knew what I knew now, I could have nipped it in the butt probably within um, a six-month period, um, right. instead of having to go uh, almost a decade without um, without going almost a decade and almost dying three times because of information I found online that almost killed me and sent me to the hospital, uh, as I'm sure you have experienced with Katie with her um, symptoms uh, in regards to going to the ER rooms. Yes, they weren't really yes, helpful. They weren't really helpful. 
Um, just pain medicine and push this back into the door again. So I don't really get anywhere with that either. Coming from an old ER nurse, let me let you know that the purpose of an emergency room is to make sure you're not dying, okay, and uh, send you on your way if you're not. Okay, right. that's the purpose. <laughs> so don't, don't yeah, when you get desperate, you end up going into the ER a lot because you can't get into I know, the doctors. I know, and you know, you can't me. get answers, so you're really looking for I someone know. to take interest in the problem. It is uh, it is reputable for doing that, but uh, a lot of times people will, you know, say they're not, they didn't get any satisfaction from the emergency room, but, you know, they're really geared towards um, ruling out, uh, you know, serious issues that are life-threatening, uh, and uh, unfortunately, because of the way things are, uh, we can't, uh, you know, get satisfaction from all the various doctors, so we end up in the emergency room out of desperation. Okay, right. so the reason we created bioindividualized medicine, and everybody sit down now, okay, put your seatbelts on, was not to create another specialty. We've got too many damn specialties. was to create generalists. And what we lack are GPs. What we lack are generalists. We lack the doctor who could look at everything, okay, and put it all together. We had right. that pre-1960, pre-1970. Now we have specialists who don't talk to one another. We have specialists who look at everything myopically. We have specialists who know their specialty very well, and if it's not within their specialty, <clears throat> they don't know what to do with it. And I've always advised people, don't go to your gynecologist and expect to expect him or her to be an endocrinologist. Don't go to a family physician and expect him to be an orthopedist. Okay, you need what we need are generalists. We need people who are willing to put it all together and take responsibility for putting it all together and treating it and coordinating care. Okay, this is what we do, and it's hard, hard work. And believe me, coordinating care amongst a bunch of specialists is not an easy thing to do because they don't want to talk to me. They don't want to talk to each other. We have to make them, you know, understand. So believe it or not, the purpose of bioindividualized medicine is to create what I like to call specialized generalists. So I'm seeing, is there anybody out there who has any other questions? Okay. Sean, you have parting comments. Um, just the fact of, you know, there's a lot of women out there that are suffering uh, through this, and even guys. Um, they're even pushing the Gardasil people on people over, uh, even senior, senior citizens now. Um, there's actually I, I, even a school. I, I, for that. Go ahead. Uh, believe me when uh, I tell you. It's, but that's another thing altogether. Go ahead. Um, but there's a school up in Rhode Island that actually um, not allowing students to participate in school if they don't have the uh, proper vac the, the Gardasil vaccinations. And, you know, it's just, and even the guy that discovered it says, listen, it's not good, okay? Um, and when you have the inventor actually speak on it, saying that you shouldn't take it in the first place, now they're coming out with a Generation 2. Is that correct, Kim? Yes. It's uh, already been approved and uh, it's being brought to market probably in the next month or so called Gardasil 9. So if you're out there, if you're out there having issues, if you're out there having issues and stuff, and you don't know where to turn to, um, look into your history. Look into possible vaccinations, whether it's MMR or Gardasil, um, and track down the histories. See there, if it does play. 
you need to take in consideration the genetics and stuff. Um, I've been doing a little research over the weekend when I have time and stuff to see if I can start to put together a uh, pattern to see if we get enough Gardasil people here and start collecting data. We'll maybe be able to put together um, a warning sheet to say who may be successful and who may not be. Okay, and again, it's not everybody. It's not an absolute. Okay, just because you have a gene doesn't mean it's expressing, but it will give a it will give a heads up, and may give more information. Always start with foundation work. Do the simple stuff first. Sometimes the simplest stuff may be the easiest easiest way to the complex solution. So find a good practitioner who's open-minded and will look at you as a whole and not just um, as a symptom. But we'll go after the root cause of the problem. Sorry, did it again. Uh, I was going to ask Katie and Ken if they have any parting remarks for everybody. No, I uh, I think you guys said it. Um, I talk to, you know, I see a lot of girls and guys on social media, and I talk to a lot of kids and, you know, just not that, like, everyone settles. Um for you know the diag all these diag different diagnoses and syndromes that these doctors are giving them, and uh, just for them not to settle and you know to find answers and look for the root cause and go back and figure out what what happened and why you're feeling like this. Kim, I just want everybody just uh, to have hope and uh, know that there's answers out there. Um, you know, talk to your doctors. If your doctors aren't giving you right answers, find someone that uh, has more information that can help out. Um, talking to families of, uh, of people that are, you know, in similar conditions can give you a good idea on which path to take. Um, and, and just keep on searching because, uh, you know, we just sort of have to peel off the layers of the illness and uh, eventually, hopefully, you'll find your, your recovery path and, and get better. Words, I've got one question for Katie. I got one question for Katie. Now, mm -hmm. since you have all this new, now since you have all this newfound knowledge and stuff, what are you planning to do with it? Are you planning to possibly go into um, a medical profession? Um, how has this impacted your life? Other than um, what I'm trying to say is, is as myself, I took a curse and turned it into a blessing. Okay. Right. My question right. to you is, is what are you going to do from this experience in order to uh, enlighten people, or how are we going to take this negative and turn it into a positive uh, for you? Um, I think it's already um, I, turning into a positive with all, you know, the newfound knowledge. I can not only help myself but my family, and I've talked to a lot of girls who are in the same situation as me and hopefully helped them and brought them hope and that, you know, everything's going to be okay. Um but I am, you know, kind of debating on what I want to do um, in the future if I want to um, go into uh, the medical fields. And um, so it's still a possibility, um, but I'm definitely, you know, putting it into uh, into account now that uh, what I've gone through. Okay. You know, you know, Katie, I, I know that should you decide um, 
had lots of discussions while we're while you're getting your IV and we're talking to the bear. <laughs> and um you know, sometimes suffering has no rationale, okay? You know, you can't tell you know, you can't tell me that it's good that somebody suffers and I agree. Okay, but if suffering will have any meaning if uh your story and your efforts helps even one other person and I know it's helped thousands because your story's been uh has been uh uh shown far and wide okay um then the suffering maybe has a little bit of meaning because you think you're going to save a lot of other people uh from long term disability long term suffering because if you can shorten their recovery by using yourself as an example, then your life has already had a lot of wonderful meaning and you're a very giving, wonderful person. And uh, I'm very proud to know you. Thank Um, you. You're most welcome. So I think I'm going to say goodnight because it doesn't look like anybody is asking questions. Uh, I know that there are a lot of people going to be listening to the archive and that's wonderful. So for right now, I will say goodnight to everyone and thank you for your attention. Thank you, Sean, for being on the show and sharing your knowledge with us. Thank you, um, Katie and Kim, uh, for your perseverance and uh, for, um, you know, just having the faith because um, we kept at it. You know, I I often uh, tell people the story of the stonemason. Okay, if you ever watch a stonemason work, okay, he takes his chisel and his hammer. He's always hitting the hammer kind of with the same impact because he knows that it doesn't matter whether it's the first impact or the hundredth, that he's going to get that stone the way that he wants it. So he doesn't have to force it. He just has to keep at it and keep at it and keep at it and keep at it because the result will happen. And that's what I'm hearing from you guys. So I really appreciate everything that you guys do. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so good night, everybody. It's been a long road Getting from then to here It's been a long time But my time is finally here I can feel the change in the way right now Nothing's in my way You know, everybody, Kitty is a perfect example of this particular theme. She and her parents have strength of the heart and bravery, and they kept at it even though everyone else told told her that it was just in her head. They don't accept it, people. Don't accept the diagnosis. Don't accept the ignorance. They keep at it and keep at it and keep at it because there is hope out there. And there is healing. This is Dr. Jess Armine coming to you from the Center for Bioindividualized Medicine here in southeastern Pennsylvania. We'll see you next week.